muchas gracias. Se moverá, se moverá esa montaña. Buenos días a todo el mundo. Uh, good morning to everyone. I'm uh, glad that you guys are here. Uh, my name is Mirna Rodin, and I'm the Community Life Coordinator for New Life Fellowship. And uh, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand so the ushers will give you one if you need one. I will be reading today's uh, Bible passage, and um, is from John 3, 5a. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to a Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Amen. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to see you all. If you're visiting here, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life. At the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby. And so if this is your first time here or if I've never met you, please stop by and say hello. We've been on a series looking at life in the Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we have uh, chosen to do a series on this is for three reasons, because the church has either forgotten the Spirit, uh, the church is afraid of the Spirit, fearful of the Spirit, or the church tends to be forceful with the Spirit. And so there's another way of being in the world as it pertains to relating to the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. And we want to really tap into the freedom that the Spirit offers us. And today we're going to talk about the wind of the Spirit. And this past week, as I've been preparing this message, I've been keenly aware of the Spirit's moving because every time I go outside, the wind is blowing. And my hope for you this week is that after this sermon, when you walk outside and for the rest of this week and maybe the rest of your life, every time you feel the wind blowing, you're reminded of the Spirit's presence in our midst. Uh, John chapter 3, let's go to God in prayer. Let's invite the Spirit to speak to us as we enter into this passage today. Father, thank you for uh, the gift of music, the gift of singing, the gift of instruments. And Lord, I pray that as we enter into this passage today that you would move us uh, deeply, that we would encounter the risen Jesus in the power of the Spirit today. And so may your kingdom come, may your will be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had my first uh, kite flying experience, my first kite flying. I've never flown a kite in all my life until a couple of weeks ago. I was looking for something for our family to do in New York City that was for free on our Sabbath. And so I went on this website and saw that there was going to be a kite festival at the Brooklyn Bridge Park. And so we arrive at the park. I buy a $20 kite. It was $30. I haggled the guy. Come on, $20. I got two kids, you know, $20. So I, I paid $20 uh, for the kite. And I'm not, I've never flown a kite before, so even assembling it. So I had Rosie do it. Rosie's always like fixing stuff for me. We go to Ikea. She's the one who's doing it that stuff there. And so she assembles the kite, and this is for the kids, you know, the, for the kids. But I said, I got to get the kite up, kids, and then I'll give it to you. And so five minutes go by, the kite's not flying. You know, Ten minutes go by, the kite's still not in the air. Fifteen minutes go by, here it is, now they got and back down. And 20 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, 35 minutes have gone by, the kite is still. Now, there are dozens of kites at this park, and the only kite, it seems, that's not in the air is my kite. And so at this point, the kids start crying, they 
Nathan is irritable. Karis is upset. Rosie's upset because Karis is upset. Rosie says, that's it. We're leaving. We're not going to get this kite up. And I said, no, no, we are not leaving this park until I get this kite in the air. This was for the kids. All of a sudden, it became about me. I am, we are doing, this kite is going. I read the kite runner. I thought that was going to help me. That didn't help me, you know. I was doing all this stuff here. And so finally, after about 35 minutes or so, uh, Rosie would just say, you have to let the wind take it. Just let the wind take it. She said, all you need is a little bit of wind, and it'll take off. And so after some time, uh, the kite took off, and, and, and it was just beautiful. This is me uh, uh, with my kite here, just flying my kite in the air there. And I was just, I, I could have stayed there for about an hour, just two hours, just, just staring at a kite. And just like, wow, look at that. Was, okay, it's time to go. No, 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 give me 10 more minutes. Oh, look at that kite in the air. And so uh, my personality, whenever I learn something new, I go crazy about researching everything about that topic. So if I see a movie, I'll research the movie. If I learn something new, I'll research. And so I got into a little kite uh, flying craze recently. And so with my new fascination with kites, I go on a website to learn more about kite flying. And in the process, I came across a statement that struck me on this kite website. And this website said, that someone quoted this word here, it says, kiters know that a kite has no spirit until it has been flown. Even if your kite is only for decoration, it should be flown at least once. And basically what the quote is saying is this, a kite is not a kite until it has been taken up by the wind. And if that is true for a kite, it is just as true, even more true for a Christian. Because it's easy for someone to look like a Christian, to be decorated like a Christian, to talk like a Christian, to go to church like a Christian. But until you get taken in by the wind of the Spirit, you're not living the kind of life that God has called you to. And if our lives are anything like this kite, in order for kites to do what kites are meant to do, in order for us to do what we are meant to do, we are to be caught by the wind of the Spirit. To be caught by the wind of the Spirit means in our passage today that our lives are regularly being converted to God. Regularly being converted to God. Now, when I use the word conversion, uh, there are many, uh, two ways to typically see it. The first way to see conversion is that conversion is a one and done thing. We remember the day, the month, the season that we were slowly being converted or that moment when it just happened and we say, I became a Christian and, and that's it, converted. And, th- and I pray for some of you today, today's your day, that the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit is blowing a new reality of the presence of God and the love of God into your life. And I pray that this day is your day of conversion. I remember the day I said yes to Jesus like it was yesterday, but that's one way of seeing conversion. Another way of seeing conversion, that conversion is not just something that happens one time. Conversion is something that takes place over and over and over and over in our lives. One of the unfortunate things about that we believe is that conversion is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but the Holy Spirit wants to blow us into new ways of living. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us to multiple conversions, and this is what we see in our passage today in John chapter 3. In our passage, we are introduced to a man named Nicodemus. I might call him Nick for short from time to time, just to abbreviate here. Nick is a, a religious man who is part of a strict religious group called the Pharisees. And in order to become a Pharisee, any man from his boyhood would have to go through rigorous training. 
He had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Most of us have a hard time with Jesus wept, you know, and he had five books in the Old Testament. The Pharisees' uh, candidates had to practice demanding rituals or fasting and, and prayers and bathing three times a day, ritual stuff there. In addition to being a Pharisee, uh, uh, Nick was part of the Sanhedrin, and Sanhedrin was a group uh, that was chosen to oversee the religious and civic affairs of the people. And to be a member of this council, this high religious council, you, you have to, to master the subjects of mathematics and politics and oratory and philosophy and history and medicine and astronomy. He's a rabbinic scholar. He has all of this stuff. He's known in our passage as the teacher of Israel. And so no one has a resume like Nicodemus. No one has a resume like Nick. If anyone knows God, it is him. If anyone has an experience with God, it is him. If anyone wants to get direction, you go to Nicodemus. And so Nick comes to Jesus at night. This is the first usage basically of Nick at night. You know, for those of you familiar with that, Nick <laughs> comes to Jesus at night. And he comes up to Jesus and he starts buttering Jesus up. Right from the beginning, he says these words. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so from the very beginning of this conversation, Nicodemus comes up and he seems to be buttering Jesus up. And before he says one more word, Jesus interrupts him, stops him right there. And while Nicodemus is just giving Jesus all this praise, Jesus stops and says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, that phrase born again has, carries a lot of baggage in our world. And some good baggage and some bad baggage. But to be clear, that word to be born again, when Jesus says he means to be born again, it literally means to be born from above, to be born from above, to be born anew. And Jesus says, unless you start all over by being born from above, you cannot see or participate in the life of God's kingdom. And so he basically looks at Nicodemus, a man that has accomplished so much, a man that has read and studied the Bible, a man that has taught not just a small group, he's been the teacher of Israel, a man that understands religious culture. And without flinching, Jesus looks at him and says, you need a new life. You need to start all over. Now, this is staggering when you consider how Nicodemus was seen in his day. If anyone else were listening to this, they would be shocked. Could you imagine if instead of Nicodemus, uh, Billy Graham came to Jesus at night? We were, and Jesus said, Billy, I know you've been preaching about people being born again. You need to be born again. We'd be shocked, Billy Graham. What? If anyone knows God, it's Billy Graham. And essentially, Nicodemus was the Billy Graham for his generation. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you need to start all over again. And Nicodemus is perplexed by this as he hears this. And he's so perplexed, he has no category for, for the words that are Jesus saying. He says, he starts saying questions like this. How can someone be born when they are old? He starts asking questions like, surely, they, how can they enter into their mother's womb? And we see that the Nicodemus is a man that is perplexed because he's lived a particular way his entire life. And this is what I'm calling. I'm calling the way of Nicodemus is the way of control. The way of Nicodemus is the way of control. It's the way of, of being fixed. It's the way of being closed. It's the way of being familiar. He comes from a religious tradition that has all the answers. Nicodemus comes to Jesus fully in control and not expecting him 
to tell him that he needs to convert. Maybe Jesus will give him a tip or two. And Jesus says, you need to start all over again. Now, when I look at Nicodemus, I see all of us in this room. The wind of the Holy Spirit wants to move us, change us, lead us, rearrange our lives. But like Nicodemus, we resist the wind. This is how many of us tend to react to the wind of the Spirit. We just hold on for dear life. I am not. The wind of the Spirit is blowing everything around. And we're saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, this is familiar. This tree is familiar. I am not letting this go. And this is the picture of your life today. The Holy Spirit wants to take you somewhere. And some of you right now, you are holding on for dear life. It's the way of Nicodemus. It's the way of control. We become fixed. We become closed. We don't want to let go of what is familiar. And instead of being caught up by the wind, we remain set in our ways. And like Nicodemus, we might come to Jesus thinking Jesus will give me a tip or two for my life. And Jesus is saying, "Uh uh-uh, you need to start all over again. The reality is many of us are set in our ways. And the truth is it is easy to be set in our ways. I remember when I was in seminary, some students would confidently say to me as they were taking this class or during a class break, they would say, I am not letting any of these professors change me. And I'm saying, you mean to tell me you're going to pay all this money to stay the same? That's what you're telling me? You're going to do all this money? You're going to go into debt just to stay the same? They're not going to change me. I thought that's, that's one way of just managing our money. Some of us use age as an excuse to remain the same. We say, I'm too old to change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. These are the things we say. So, but whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, change is possible. Some of you, we, we use our place in life to justify. We say, if I got more breaks, then I'd change. We use our past to justify. We say, you don't know how I was raised. If you understood how I was raised, you understand why I don't want to change. We use our temperament to resist change. We say, this is, who I, this is how God made me. Love me or leave me alone. Take me or leave me. And ultimately, we have fear. It's fear that keeps us from saying yes to the wind of God. But when you read the first pages of the New Testament and look at the ministry of Jesus, what is fascinating is the first word that he speaks in his public ministry. The first word that Jesus speaks in his public ministry is not try harder. The first word that Jesus says is not love better. The first word that comes out of Jesus' mouth is change. Change. The word there is is metanoia. The Greek is repent. Converse is a range of meaning. Repent, convert, change. And Jesus speaks these words to us over and over and over again. And whenever we think, oh, I'm good, Jesus says change. We go to bed. We wake up in the morning, change. Before we even get out of bed, change. The first word that Jesus speaks to us is change. And this is essentially what he says to Nicodemus. And this is what he says to us. And in the process of talking about change, conversion, multiple conversions, Jesus makes an important statement about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit wants to lead us to change. After Jesus uh, tells Nicodemus he needs to be born from above, he then gives an analogy to understand the person and the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is seen in many different ways in Scripture. The Spirit is seen as fire. The Spirit is likened to water. And in today's text, it's a very visceral text. We feel it. The spirit is likened to wind. 
And to understand uh, the work of the Spirit in our lives, Jesus says important things in verse 8 about the wind. Some fascinating things, almost elementary things about the wind that really uh, will lead us to deep transformation. The first thing Jesus says about the wind is that the wind blows. The wind blows. And with this simple, as it were, elementary statement, Jesus speaks to the ceaseless action of the Spirit. The ceaseless action. There has never been a moment in human history and history beyond humanity where the Spirit has not actively been at work. The Holy Spirit is blowing all the time. The Spirit is blowing in our world all the time. The Spirit is blowing over our country right at this moment. The Spirit is blowing over our city. The Spirit is blowing over our workplaces. The Spirit is blowing over our schools. The Spirit is blowing over our churches. The Spirit is blowing over our lives. In good times, the Spirit is blowing. In bad times, the wind is blowing. Some of you are in some bad situations right now. I want to remind you, even though the situation might be bad, the wind is blowing. In sad moments, difficult moments, the wind is blowing in our lives. The first thing Jesus says is the wind blows. There's never been a moment where the Holy Spirit has not been actively moving in our midst. And then right after he says that, he says, he adds three more words to the sentence. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. And with those three words, wherever it pleases, Jesus speaks about the sovereign freedom of the spirits. And in the same way, it's impossible. Have you ever tried to control the wind? It's impossible to control the wind. When you go outside, there is nothing that we can do with our collective efforts to control the wind. Nothing. And Jesus says, in the same way that we cannot control the wind, you cannot control the spirit. There's no church that can control the spirit. There's no religious system that can control the spirit. There's no theology that can control the spirit. There's no preacher that can control the spirit. The spirit cannot, the spirit blows wherever it pleases. The spirit is sovereign. And Nicodemus is caught up in a tradition that says the spirit can move in this way or in that way. And that's it. And Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. We have to move God out of our theological box. He said the spirit blows wherever it pleases. This is one of the reasons why the religious leaders were always upset at Jesus. Because since Jesus was always filled with the Spirit, Jesus lived with a radical openness to the Spirit that the religious leaders could not control. And so Jesus was always doing things that they did not want him to do. Oh, they would tell Jesus, don't do that, and he would do it. Don't forgive that person, ah, you're forgiven. Uh, don't touch that person, ah, I mean, you're healed. Cast judgment on that person, ah, that's all right. This person, okay, no, you're in trouble. Jesus always was working in unpredictable ways because he was filled with the Spirit, because the wind blows wherever it pleases. I think this is one of the reasons why Pope Francis has captured the imagination of the world, not just the Catholic Church, but the world. He comes to New York City, and there's world coverage. He goes everywhere. There is world coverage. What makes this pope so fascinating is his unpredictability. Because you never know what this pope is going to do. And recently, I've been reading one of his biographies. And from the beginning of his, of his papacy, it is clear that he was not going to do things as it was always been done. 
It's well documented that when he gets voted in as the Pope and when he emerges on the balcony, the cardinals, the other high leaders there in the Catholic Church, were astonished because he was wearing his usual uh, silver ring and he turned down the gold papal cross. And so he gets on, they say, oh, you got the, got, got the wrong cross. You got the wrong ring. Oh, no, I'm okay with this cross. I'm okay with this ring. As Pope, he was supposed to wear these blood red shoes that popes wear. But instead, he refuses to take off his black orthopedic shoes. He says, no, I'm okay with these black shoes. These are comfortable. These are okay. When he emerges to greet uh, the crowd, before he does that, he, he stops by to see some of the older cardinals. And tradition says that they are to kiss his ring because he's the new pope. And instead of kissing his ring, he looks at these elder cardinals, he kneels down and kisses their hand. This is unprecedented. When he gets to the balcony, he asks people, pray for me, bless me. And people are stunned as he says this. It's almost as if the Pope understands something about the wind of the Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you are conscious of the wind, you start doing things that confound people around you. If our lives are always understandable by the world's definition, we have not yet been blown by the wind of the Spirit. The, the, the people around us should look at the church and look at Christians and be confounded by the way, not in the weird way, we should be confounded by the way that we live. They should see the, should see the church's generosity and say, how can you be so generous in this world? The answer, oh, it's the wind of the Spirit. They should see our love for each other and say, how can you love the way that you love? Oh, it's the wind of the Spirit. How can you live with this kind of life change? Our lives should make no sense to, the, to some degree to the world outside of us. And if our, if our lives are always understandable by the world's definition, we have not yet been blown by the Spirit. The world should be confounded by us. The world should be perplexed by us. The world should be scratching their head at us. How can you offer that level of forgiveness? Oh, it's because the Spirit has just blown in our midst. And this is what... Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to this kind of life. And so the, the wind blows wherever it pleases. And then Jesus says this in verse 8. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. You, are not, you cannot tell where the Holy Spirit is liable to take you. And for some of you, that is a scary thought. In a little moment, I'm going to share why this is, should not be a scary thought for us. You hear a sound. You cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. Now, all of us today, we, we need this message because we tend to live totally oblivious to how and where the Spirit wants to carry us. Do you know that today, the wind of the Spirit wants to, before you even got to this building today, the wind of the Spirit has wanted to take you somewhere. When you walk out of this building, the Spirit of God wants to carry you somewhere. And it's, many, it's hard for many of us to even grasp this notion that the Spirit is that involved in my life because we tend to be so fixated on our own routines. We tend to be stuck in our own calendars. We tend to be stuck in our own way of being. And we miss out the way that the wind of the Spirit is blowing. Last week or so, I was walking down uh, Queens Boulevard, in my neighborhood, and as I'm walking, I see a homeless man. 
And, uh, you know, you get the feeling, well, oh, give him, give, you know, give the guy some money and what have you. And so I have my pocket. I know I have $5 in my pocket. And I see the guy. And part of me is, like, I'm in a rush. I'm like, uh, and I just keep walking. I keep walking. And part of me is like the Holy Spirit saying, just nudging me. You should have gave the $5. You should have gave the $5. And I, I, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And so I go by the car, and, and I take my keys out my pocket to start the car. And, and as I take my keys out, I do one of these. You take the keys out, and the $5 fall out. And as I'm about to pick it up, the wind starts taking it. Just whoosh. And this is me down Queens Boulevard. That's me. Get over here. Yeah. And finally, I pick it up. I put it back in my pocket. I get back in the car as I drive it. Huh? And a couple of days later, as I'm reflecting on this sermon and thinking about it, I just thought, maybe God had a plan for those $5. Because it seems to be blowing back into the direction of the guy there. The Spirit is like, let the guy have the $5. And I thought, what a picture of our lives. The $5 bill is like our lives. That the Spirit wants to take us somewhere. We're too busy putting it back in our pockets. And God says, I want to take you somewhere. But we are so fixated on our own routines. And, and so Jesus lets Nicodemus know the only way to see the kingdom of God and participate in the life of the kingdom is to be converted. And to be converted is to have a radical openness to the wind of the Spirit. Now, I want to flesh this out for us. Now, what does this mean to to be converted? What does it mean to be carried by the Spirit? My prayer is that this week you would have this in, in the back of your mind, deep down in your heart. That every time you feel the wind blow when you walk outside, when you're getting groceries, when you're walking to work, every time a gust of wind comes or a gentle breeze, you are reminded that the Holy Spirit wants to carry you somewhere, that the wind wants to take you somewhere. To be carried by the wind of the Spirit. And I had about 10 of these things. I don't want to overwhelm. I just let me narrow it down to four. Just say four things here about what it means to be carried by the wind of the Spirit. To be carried by the wind of the Spirit first means that newness is possible at any moment. Newness is possible at any moment. This is one of the reasons we are to hold on to God, especially in challenging moments. This is one of the reasons why we go to church, one of the reasons why we pray, one of the reasons why we read the Bible, one of the reasons why we go to small group. And this should fill us, this reality, that at any moment of your life, any moment of your life, newness is possible. And this should fill us with hope for our lives and hope for our friends and our family members and our enemies even. Because at any moment, God can heal. At any moment, God can provide. At any moment, God can change a situation that you thought was unchangeable. At any moment, the wind can blow. And we thought this will never change, this person will never change. And in just one moment, the newness of the Spirit blows in. And our lives are never the same. This is why we hold on to God. This is why we pray, why we go to church, why we go to small group, why we do all these things. Why? Because at any moment, everybody, the Spirit of God is liable to blow and change the situation. Newness is possible at any moment. A couple of weeks ago, at the end of the third service, I prayed. I just felt God leading me. I just prayed for some people that need employment. And at the end of the service, I said, if you need employment, raise your hand. I want to pray that God will bless you and God will provide for you. And at the end of that week, I got three people say, Rich, I've been looking for a job. And this week, after you prayed for us, I got a job this week. And I just, uh, the Holy Spirit, newness is possible at any moment, everyone. 
This is why we hold on to God. Some of you are just, you want to give up. You've, t- you've been praying for years about something to change. You've been going to church wondering, is my life ever going to be adjusted here? Because of the wind of the Spirit, newness is possible at any moment. And this should fill us with hope and anticipation and expectation. Every time we come to church on a Sunday morning, newness is possible in my life and in the world around me. That's the first thing, to be carried by the Spirit. Newness is possible. To be, to be carried by the wind of the Spirit means that we say yes to the unfamiliar. We say yes to the unfamiliar. The Spirit blows as you don't know where the Spirit is coming from, and you don't know where the Spirit is going to take you. And so the invitation for us as followers of Jesus is to say yes to the unfamiliar. For some of you this week, God wants you to say yes to doing things that are unfamiliar to you. For some of you, it's it's simple as just sharing your faith with a coworker, bearing witness to the love of God in your life to someone else. And you say, "I'm I'm not familiar with that. That's exactly the point. The Holy Spirit wants to blow you into newness of life into unfamiliar situations. For some of you, even joining a small group, you think, I'll never join, I'm okay by myself. The Holy Spirit wants to just carry you into community in something that you're not familiar with. The Holy Spirit wants to carry us into so many different realities. I meet so many people sometimes at New Life. I say, have you ever considered leadership? They go, ah, I've never led before. You are an ideal candidate for the Holy Spirit to use you. Because you are moving into unfamiliar territory. And the Holy Spirit thrives in unfamiliar territory. We live with a posture of, of, that's unfamiliar. We say yes to what's unfamiliar. Third is this. We, we live with a posture of openness. A posture of openness. That when we make decisions, it's done out of a posture of openness. Because we know that the Holy Spirit is always moving. And the Spirit wants to speak into our decisions. I love what theologian Karl Barth said about this. He he said, when we are at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. But how can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? And so, God, what should I do? And God says, the the Spirit wants to lead us. Ah, let me think about it some more. We're never quiet enough to hear what the Spirit wants to do. And that there's no sense of openness. And yet Jesus is telling Nicodemus, if you're going to see the life of the kingdom, you have to open yourself up in a new reality to where I'm going to take you. When, when you live with a posture of openness, the way we begin to see interruptions becomes different when you're open to the wind of the Spirit. Most of the time we see interruptions as an inconvenience as opposed to interruptions being an invitation from God. Last week, I was getting some time with God, thinking about the wind of the Spirit. Lord, use me. Take me wherever you want to take me. All that. I'm praying all this stuff. They're real fancy in the kitchen. Just praying this. Writing in my journal. And four minutes go in. And as I'm praying, Lord, use me. Karis, my six-year-old, says, just barges into the room. Dad, can you you make me some chicken nuggets? And I'm saying, can can you see I've been praying? I'm praying the wind of the Spirit. Karis, can can you give me a second? The wind of the Spirit. Why? The Spirit did not blow you in here. What's happening? And not only did she ask for chicken nuggets, she said, can I get six of them? Very specific, six chicken nuggets. Can I get six chicken nuggets? Very precise. And everything is, all of of a sudden, I'm irritated. Oh, I can't have a time to pray. Why do we have children? Why can't I just pray? Why? 
I just want to be with you, Jesus. I'm getting interrupted. What's happening here? And then at that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit saying, you wanted me to use you. Can you make the girl six chicken nuggets? <laughs> and she didn't even say thank you. I was just like, oh, little girl, you know. But the way we see interruptions is different when you're being carried by the wind of the Spirit. Because you see interruptions, you see traffic maybe differently. You see someone interrupting your, your schedule a little differently now. You see something that might seem as uh, something came out of, you know, out of left field. You see a little differently now. Because maybe it's just the Holy Spirit now carrying you where the Spirit wants to take you. Openness. This is why spiritual practices are so important. Prayer and reflecting on Scripture. Because you are creating a posture of openness. An awareness of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit wants to take us, we have a posture of openness. And lastly, it's this. As I thought about this passage here and thought about our lives, I thought to be carried by the wind of the Spirit means that we see setbacks as spirit moments. We see our setbacks that come, we see them as spirit moments. Most of the time that a setback comes, something unwanted that comes our way, many of us are too busy complaining about it that we never ask the question, what might God be trying to teach me through this setback? Or too often, ah, why am I in this setback? As opposed to saying, God, what might you be trying to teach me through this setback? And so our relationship might have ended and it might seem like this is the end of the world. And for God, God is probably looking at you and saying, no, this is the start of a new world for you. This is something you lost your job and wondering what's going to happen next. It might just be the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to lead you into newness of life. The way that we see setbacks is different than the way the world sees setbacks because we're paying attention to the wind of the Spirit. I love how uh, I got this quote. Pete said it's from Thomas Merton, but then Pete adapted the quote, and I saw Pete's quote, and then I adapted Pete's quote. And so um, someone's going to adapt my quote and... Um, then it'll say source unknown, you know? Um, <laughs> I think that's how it happens. But Thomas Merton, through Pete, through me, uh, says this, okay? It says, sometimes what we think is right at the moment ends up being wrong. What we think is most helpful ends up to be damaging. What we think is a blessing, uh, we think something is a blessing when really it is a setback. We think something is a disappointment and disaster when it is really a gift. So often what looks like a blessing is not, and what looks terrible in the short run is really a rich gift in, a, in the long run. When we, when we are living by the wind of the Spirit, we don't see setbacks in the way the world sees setbacks. We don't see blessings or, or perceived to be blessings or perceived to be curses coming our way in the same way the world sees, because the Holy Spirit is leading us. The wind is blowing, and we're open to spirit moments. Some of you today, you find yourself in a place you didn't choose. Many of you, perhaps, you're in a place in life right now, you did not choose this. Life happened to you. If you wanted to go a different way, you would have gone a different way, but life happened to you. Maybe you picture yourself at a different place in life. Maybe you picture yourself a little more advanced at this season in life, but it's not. 
And I want to tell you that even though you cannot see the wind blowing, the wind is blowing and the spirit is moving. And you might not be able to perceive it, but our perception uh, it doesn't determine whether the spirit is moving or not. The wind is always blowing. And some of you today, you're on a path, you chose it. You made some decisions, probably not the wisest decisions. And you find yourself in a situation that you're wondering, how, I know exactly how I got myself here. And even so, God in his mercy and in his love can blow and redirect your path. And the reason why Jesus can use such an image of wind that at one moment can seem violent, another moment can seem gentle, and he tells Nicodemus this, Nicodemus, the reason why you can say yes to the wind is because the wind is a good wind. The spirit is a good spirit. And you can be sure that God does not want to destroy your life. God surely wants to disrupt your life, but God does not want to destroy your life. That when we say yes to the wind of the Spirit, as difficult as it might be, he is leading us ultimately into newness of life. Can you say amen to that? I want to invite the worship team to come forward. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to give us a moment of just reflection and pondering and prayer. Really, the question is, how is the Spirit moving in your life today? What is the Spirit saying? How is the wind blowing? And some of you right now, maybe it's becoming clear. Yes, I see now what you're doing in my life, God. Maybe it's crystal clear at the moment. But how is the Spirit moving? What is the Spirit saying? Just take a moment to be still, and then we'll close with a song of response to God. Father, I believe that you are uh, blowing in our midst through your spirit. And Lord, it's so easy for us to not pay attention, to get so caught up in our own ways and routines that we miss you. So Lord, give us eyes to see the way that the wind is trying to carry us and where the wind is trying to carry us. And Lord, even when we don't know what's next, may we trust that you are a good God your spirit is a good spirit, leading us into newness of life, into multiple conversions for the glory of God. And so we sing to you now words of worship, words of praise, words of gratitude. Pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Let's all stand and sing together. I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. And today, I believe the, the wind of the Spirit is blowing in our midst today. 
right at this moment. And for some of you, the invitation, like Jesus told Nicodemus at that moment, Nicodemus, you need to be born from above. And that's what God is saying to some of you in this room today. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to the wind of God. You've never said, take me where you want to take me. You've never said, Lord, forgive me my sins. Live in me, change me, transform me. And if you've never done that, today is your day to be born from above. The same way many of us in this room made that decision, maybe for you today is your day to make that decision. And if that's the case, at the end of our service, we'll have our prayer team to my right. And then others of you, you have said yes to the wind of the Spirit. But maybe it was a yes a long time ago. Maybe you've been holding on to that tree. You said, yes, Lord, a long time ago, but you're still holding on right there. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us not just to one conversion where we say, well, in 1982, I gave my life to Jesus. How has it been since then? I mean, it's been the same, but I just gave my life to Jesus in 1982. Now our lives are to be continually converted, reformed, transformed in the presence of God. And so maybe you feel stuck today. Some of you in this room, you're stuck. You realize you have not been carried by the wind of the Spirit. You've been just stuck. And today's your day to enter into a new freedom newness of life so if that's you you can come forward as well and as I think about this passage I think God just doesn't want to do something in our lives individually God wants to do something through us as a church he wants to the wind of the spirit wants to carry us as a church to demonstrate something to the world to be a prophetic sign to the world a new life fellowship who knows where God's going to take us as a church and this is why I'm so excited when I gather on Sundays with you guys and when we're reading in small groups, I just wonder, what is God doing in our midst? Where is God taking us? And wherever God's taking us, the invitation for us individually and collectively is to say, Lord, yes, carry us wherever you want to take us. May that be our prayer. To my left, we have the Lord's table, the bread and the cup of Jesus. And Jesus Christ, carried by the winds of the Spirit, goes on the cross, dies for our sin, resurrects in newness of life leads us into newness of life and it's a way that we are reminded and regrounded and recentered in the love of God and in the wind of the spirit so you can receive that you can come right up the center aisle and receive it to my left and to my right we have our prayer team and some of us God wants to breathe new life into you the Hebrew word and Greek word for spirit is, is both wind and breath and God wants to breathe new life into you carry you by the spirit and many times that comes as a response to prayer. And so we have our prayer team here for whatever need you have, however God is leading you, you can come forward. But as we close, I wanna invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And what a posture of openness this is. This is why every Sunday we close like this. Because we're essentially saying with our hearts and with our bodies, Lord, we're open to you and where you want to take us. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit saying yes to his wind. And may the wind carry you this week and take you to places you've never been. May you experience newness of life. So I bless you all in the strong and the beautiful in the resurrected name of Jesus and the people of God said, amen. Grace and peace, everyone.